Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. This is Week 10 Preview. I'm your host, Alex, joined by my two lovely co-hosts slash bros, Holt Smash and Mr. J.B. Brooks. What's up, bros? How's it going, Alex? Hope you're doing good. Uh, We missed you on the last podcast. Can't wait to hear your recap of uh, the food in Nashville and just overall your trip, your trip there. I can definitely get into that. Mr. J.B. Brooks, did you study every single college football game Saturday that's happening now because I told you we might be doing some random games? Oh, uh, yeah. I just got sh- to make sure that I get this uh, Middle Tennessee-Charlotte game down. You know, there's like a 2.9 on it, but, you know, both teams are 3-5. and five, But, you know, it's an irrelevant game, but I just know you're probably going to make us pick it. Now, that's, that's like reverse psychology. When you, say, when you say stuff like that, it makes me, like, not want to pick it because then you're, like, expecting it. So – I want it to be random, and I was looking at it. You'll be happy to know, JB, I didn't even look at your list until after I made my picks uh, for games to pick this week, and most of my games are in your game, so I think you're, you're going to be covered. That's all good. I mean, I, I mean, I always analyze the games to pick, too. Like, I go by lines and also by competitiveness, too, and, and also relevance when I think. I think, I think you've got to give the people some backstory here because y'all are, like, referencing a conversation that happened before the podcast, so I think you'll need to let people know what's going on right now. So JB sends me the games to pick for Holt and Holt and JB to pick the the games of the week, uh, so win or loss predictions at the end of the show. He sends me the the games to pick before the podcast starts. And the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to do random games or at least doing my own games instead of JB picking them before the show, just because I'd rather them not get time to study the games. But JB, on the other hand, likes the time to study and analyze the games because that's what old Kirk Herbstreit does on college game day. So that's what we want to do on SEC Slow Smoke. Right, JB? Yeah. You know, mere mock of college game day be exactly like them because I admire them. I just want to sound, I just want to sound like mildly informed. So I don't like being like super surprised just because, you know, I want to at least sound like I know what I'm talking about sometimes. I think, I think both of y'all's college football knowledge goes way deeper than the mainstream game. So I think I think while most of my games, I think you'll definitely have a good sense of which which team to pick or you'll at least have already looked at these games before I even tell you about them. Um, I think even if I picked a random one, I think you still have a good sense of where the, where the game is going to be headed. Um, that being said, Holt, do you think there's a point of paralysis by, or paralysis by analysis where you can overanalyze a game and 
like you get to a point where you just think way too much about the game and you, you know, I guess overthink what, it. Yeah, sway your way, your opinion either way. I mean, sometimes, sometimes like you sort of get a feeling about what you want to pick. And then like when you do a bunch of research on it, you start to think that, you know, you start looking at some numbers, you start thinking maybe a little bit differently. Um, but at the same time, let's be real. Like, it's not like, you know, we're going to be right or wrong one way or the other. We're probably going to yeah. end up being right the same percentage of time. Yeah. Uh, no matter if we study it super close or kind of just go off our gut. I think, you know, we're not going to really be able to pick, you know. Yeah. And I know there's some games earlier in the season where Holt, uh, the main reason is because at the beginning of the year, we had some games where Holt did not realize that we were picking until we were on the show and he ended up picking the wrong teams in those games. And I just don't want that to happen to Holt. I don't want that to happen to me either. There was mainly some Pac-12 games that uh, he had that he wasn't expecting either. And so, I mean, basically we just kind of like to have an idea of what games to pick up. But, you know, now we've seen a lot of these teams play and we have a general consensus on how we feel about these And th- this is a very intense uh, um, competition that we have going between the two of us. So, like, we, we just we just want it to be fair and even and, um, you know, so that way we can determine a true winner. It is. And, and another funny, cra- crazy thing is that this has gone back and forth all year, like at first I re- got out to a five game lead and then Holt went on a string of, you know, wins against me for a couple of weeks and took a one game lead or no, a two game lead. And then last week we had a difference of three games and I won all three of them. And now I'm back ahead by uh, one game. So it's been going back and forth. I'm sure somebody on the internet has uh, consolidated all of the game day picks for each of the analysts and to see who's the most accurate. I would, I would imagine that all of them are pretty about the same. I don't, I, I don't think they're they're They have even any expert knowledge that we wouldn't know, or they have any, you know, they're more accurate than any of the three of us would be, but um, their, their picks are a little bit easier too. Cause they, they just pick the straight winner losses, which what we do too. But um, some of their games are a little bit easier than like picking the true spread or over under, which uh, what I like to do with those is to um, kind of close my eyes and pick one way or the other. Cause I think it is, truly is like a 50, 50 uh, scenario. So that's kind of fun sometimes, but we have more than, more than just uh, the uh, predictions that in the show to talk about biggest news of the week is probably possibility of NCAA football coming back. Out of both of y'all, I think Holt Smash might be more excited than, than JB, even though I think you're pretty excited too, JB. I'm the one that made that tweet uh, on the Slow Smoke account a couple of days or yesterday about, you know, the game coming back. Like, I'm really excited about the game. Like, I miss playing Dynasty mode and, and also playing people online too. Like, that used to be one of my favorite things to do during my, I guess, middle school and high school years was playing random people online. Yeah, I, I actually I just played online all the time. That was more the most fun. But also playing against your friends is really fun. I mean, the three of us could like have a little college football playoff or uh, NCAA football playoff, which is what we always did. I feel like we always hung out and just played Xbox and uh, shot the breeze. <laughs> shot the breeze. Yeah, good times. I hope I don't know if we're gonna be able to get it back for next year, but maybe two years from now. Yeah, um, should be good. Um, I think there would be like some pretty exciting teams. I don't mean to uh, steal the. Uh, you know, your thunder here, Alex, with, like, starting a topic. But, um, like, as far as, like, teams that I would really want to play as, like, this year, I think probably, like, Ohio State would be number one and then maybe, like, Oklahoma number two um, just because Justin Fields, I feel like, would be, like, the most fun quarterback to play with. And then Oklahoma's offense, obviously, with Jalen Hurts. 
and his running because I got to have a quarterback who can run a little bit. Like Burrow and Tua, like they move a little bit, but not enough for me. I need a quarterback who can like who can move a little bit and scramble. Any dual threat quarterback is always fun. Kellen Mond would be fun, even though he's not as great as the other two mentioned, but they're always fun. I know JB loves this about me, but I always would switch the uh, cornerback or defensive back in. At yeah, I was about to say, you could just be Kentucky with Lynn Bowden. Yeah, yeah, that's fun too, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't think it would be this year, but I think – I mean, this is like a very vague and broad statement. I think within the next five years, it will be another college football. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not going to be next year because, I mean, it, it takes a while to develop these games too. Like, they need – so, plus, it's been, you know, uh, what, six years since the most recent game came out. Like, they're going to need a lot of time to catch up on and, you know, research and development, too. It's going to be a while. They're yeah. definitely going to want to put it on the PS5, too. Oh, yeah. And then the new Xbox, I'm sure there'll be something out. But, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. I'm, I'm wondering if, I mean, the people that aren't playing instant by football, do they play Madden or do they play both? So, like, my question is, this new instant by football game comes out, will people not buy Madden as much or will people buy both? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I don't know. I don't play Madden ever. So, I mean, maybe, like, some other people, like, play Madden because there isn't a new college football game. But I still play the old college football game. I was literally just playing it. Like, I literally just paused in the middle of the game and recorded this podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm still playing it all the time, too. Like, I'm in the middle of a dynasty mode. I'm in the year 2062 currently. So, I mean, I'm I'm really deep in my dynasty. I don't. 2062. Good Lord, JB. Yeah, I go really deep in dynasty mode. Like, that's my favorite thing is dynasty mode. How far can you go? Is it can you go like five hundred years if you want? I to? think it'll take you like maybe year twenty eighty something like that. It'll it'll take you really far. Yeah, and that, that's what's cool with Dynasty is the recruiting and like you learn all the small towns. Like for instance, if you were Tennessee JB in Dynasty mode, you learn all of the small towns and high schools in Tennessee. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and and, the, and also the other states too. But I mean, yeah. it's definitely the gameplay for NCAA was always you know more superior than uh, than Madden too. Even when both of them were coming out at the same time, just the Madden, they said like gameplay, which is better than Madden. Plus, they had the triple option and like all that stuff, and like different types of offenses. NFL, I feel like it's pretty standard. Yeah, for sure. Other big news that came out today is Auburn backup quarterback Joey Gatewood is in the transfer portal, which I don't know what that actually means if he's like in another layer or somewhere else still on earth, but he's in the transfer portal and. I don't know if y'all want to speculate on where he might go, but we now have Jake Bentley and Joey Gatewood in the transfer portal. What I'm assuming is both of them are going to try to go to Oklahoma, but um, I have some optimism that one of them might go to Memphis if they see the um, high-profile offense Mike Norvell can uh, display, but we're not sure. Also, um, I'll let you talk about Joey Gatewood, but there also was a the Ole Miss quarterback that was announced in the transfer portal too. Tizzo, I think is the name. That's correct. Yeah, so – um, whole smash. Do you have any speculations or thoughts about Gatewood transferring? Because he's obviously the most high profile quarterback transferring, I think. Maybe Bentley too, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really see a lot from Gatewood. And I mean, you know, I hate to just keep rolling on Bo Nix like every podcast. I feel like I do, but the way he's been playing, the fact that Gatewood like really wasn't able to beat him out kind of makes me worry about like what kind of player he is and the talent level. So I'll honestly kind of feel like I'm gonna we're gonna see him at a uh, smaller school, uh, maybe a group of five type school. And then, um, you know, I feel like the same about Tisdale as well. I mean, Tisdale wasn't the most highly recruited quarterback coming out of high school. I mean, I think he had some power five offers, but, um, you know, I think the offense just doesn't maybe really fit him quite as well as it does for Plumley. And Plumley's definitely kind of taking the reins and established himself ahead of him. So 
I feel like both guys feel like, you know, they've already been beat out by a true freshman quarterback. So um, their time's probably not coming. And if they want to play, they're going to have to transfer somewhere. And I mean, I don't think either one of them is going to go anywhere too noteworthy. Um, to be honest, I think probably most likely just a group of five school. Maybe Memphis will want uh, Gatewood. I feel like maybe that would be a good fit. Well, you say that, but I still feel like the ego is going to be a little too big for Gatewood to transfer to Memphis because he was the 49th ranked player overall in the class of 2018. So um, I still feel like he's going to try to go to some Power 5 school. You know, you saw you saw the tweets or whenever that news dropped on Twitter – People are also already saying, like, go to Georgia, but I don't know if that would be make sense for him to go to a rival school like that. With Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm, I guess, going to the draft, that would make sense, but I don't know if he would go, actually go. But Tennessee might make sense. That that could make more sense if they let him go within the SEC. I'm not sure. I mean, I just don't – I don't know, like, what we've seen out of Gatewood to make us think that he's good. I mean, I know he is just a redshirt freshman – so, I mean, I guess I understand that. Like, he's still not that far removed from being a really high recruited quarterback. But I just don't know what we've seen from him to make us think that I mean, maybe he's going to have to go somewhere and play junior college for a year and put up some numbers before he starts playing his way into some big-time offers. But I think until then, I mean, I'm not really sure what his options are going to be. JB, has Vol Nation already commented on any of the QB transfers? No, not at all. I mean, Tennessee's got – Tennessee's got a pretty decent crop of quarterbacks that'll be competing for the job next year. I mean, Shroud has, you know, shown his, you know, how good he can be. Mauer, if he can stay healthy, and then they got a blue chip quarterback coming in, and Harrison Bailey. I mean, they're going to be fine at quarterback next year, whoever the man is. They're going to have a, you know, probably a two or three man competition next year. You say that, but I mean, I haven't seen a good quarterback at Tennessee in a while. I mean, you could, I guess, say Dobbs, but I haven't seen a really good one in a while. So I, I just never trust quarterbacks until they're actually good unless you're in a proven quarterback system like Clemson or yeah you could even say Alabama now I guess but we shall see um interesting news there any other interesting news happened at SEC this week I'm trying to think I think that's the only big news I have is Joey Gatewood transferring oh I guess two of might not start for the LSU game next week but I think that's a little bit of uh just hype up for the L for um LSU, or I guess, I guess Saban just doesn't want to release now that uh, Tua is starting. But I doubt he's not going to start in the biggest game of his career, or not career of the season. Yeah, I would be very surprised if he doesn't at least start the game, even if he's not 100%. I still think he's going to play and um, at least try to give it a go. Yeah. Do you think, I, I don't know what the line is still for that game. That's, you know, that's next week's, so that's not this week's preview. But I think the line was, we were talking about it, it opened up at 16 or something like that. It's out of Alabama. But do you think – this sounds crazy. Do you think Alabama could still win with Mac Jones as a quarterback? I would go with – I would probably go with LSU straight up if Mac Jones is the quarterback. Yeah. I, I can see where you're going with that. But it definitely wouldn't surprise me if Alabama still won with Mac Jones if they just figured it out somehow. Because it's, it's going to be tough to win in Alabama. This is the first time where I think Alabama – feels like they're actually the underdog. I mean, they don't, I don't know if they think they're the underdog, but they understand the media is, like, painting a picture of LSU possibly winning this game, and they they don't like that, I don't think. No, definitely not. And, I mean, with Alabama, I mean, it's Nick Saban. It's just so hard to go against them, especially in a big game. And, you know, I mean, look, like, I've been really impressed with LSU this year, but until they beat Alabama, like – that's when we're really going to know for sure that this is a different LSU team. Cause I mean, we've seen some other LSU teams that we thought were great and then they played Alabama and then they just laid an egg. You know what I mean? Those, I mean, there was that 
was it 2015 or 2016 um, with the um, Leonard Fournette and the 31 yards. And then there was the, um, you know, the Zach Bettenberger, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry year where they were so good on offense and then couldn't do anything against Alabama. So, I mean, we've seen it in the past. We've seen some LSU take some really good teams at Tuscaloosa and just absolutely lay an egg. So, I mean, look, I, I would love to sit here and say, like, this is LSU's year. But, you know, honestly, like, that's just one of those things that I, I'm going to have to see it before I completely sold that they're better than Alabama this year. JB, is this the only week where we can legitimately talk about Memphis on this podcast for a good reason? Uh, we were able to do it for the first week because they played an SEC opponent, but uh, <clears throat> we will get to at least at the end when we make our predictions, we can probably do a little bit of slide analysis on it. I mean, it's going to be an exciting matchup. Let's talk about it for like two minutes here. Um, this game, obviously, is game day. Are both <laughs> of y'all going to game day? And it's on Beale Street downtown as opposed to Tiger Lane. And I heard the reason was because of like all the logistics for Tiger Lane and vendors involved. They couldn't get them off or something like that. And then all the parking spots and room that college game day crew would take up is too much. But are y'all going to game day downtown? I really much want to go. I very much want to be there. Um, but I haven't exactly figured out how I'm going to make it happen yet. But I would very much like to be there. Are, are neither of you are going to the game, right? No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to the game. Do you? I understand, JB. You don't have desire because you don't want to miss Tennessee for the third straight week. Hold. Do you have desire at all to go to this game? Um, I mean, not really. Like, I mean, it would be really cool to go to, but at the same time, I just, um, I just really like being able to watch all the games and like flip around, and you know, I'm totally fine with watching it in the comfort of my own home when yeah. it's not like 20 degrees outside or whatever it's going to be probably. Yeah, it's going to be cold at that game. Yeah, it'd be 50 degrees around there. Yeah, this is um, – that's actually – you described like the problem that's going around all of college football is that people would much rather watch games in the comfort of their living room, flip channels, drink their own beer for, for free or I guess for a lot cheaper and eat their own food. Um, let's see. Another question about this game. Holt, are you okay with this game being – in Memphis, as in uh, game day going to Memphis, as opposed to uh, Georgia and Florida this week, you know, two top 10 teams playing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've been saying this for a few weeks now, ever since, you know, it kind of became a possibility that game day could go here. I mean, I think it's really good by game day to um, kind of give some other schools some opportunities. Georgia and Florida fans have had game day like a ton of times, including a few times already this year. Um, you know, I mean, to me, part of what makes college football great is the the fan bases and the new, the different venues and all that stuff. And we've, you know, they were at the cocktail party last year and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's just good to, uh, to move around and see some new places, give Memphis an opportunity to host game day. They've been really good the last few years and uh, had some really good teams playing some big games. And uh, I, I just think they've earned it. I think Memphis fan base has earned it by um, supporting the team and I just think it's really good for the city of Memphis and, and everything. And I think it's really great that game day decided to do this. And, um, you know, obviously, like, I feel like all three of us are maybe a little bit biased because we're from Memphis and sort of grew up. But, um, you know, I mean, I just think it's, it's just really cool that game day did that. And, um, you know, I'm definitely not like a Memphis fan at all, but I'm definitely really happy for all the Memphis fans that get to uh, kind of just be the center of college football for a weekend. It's just, it's just a really cool thing. It is going to be fun. And 
Um, they're not at Georgia, Florida this year, but SEC Nation is going to be there. So that's not quite game day, but that's still a lot of attention there. And everybody's still going to watch the Georgia, Florida game. So I don't think they're going to miss out too much. But yeah, the biggest thing you said there, Holt, is what I agree with most, besides being a Memphis fan, is the fact that college game day goes to different places when they. <laughs> I think the best uh, experience last year was when they went to Washington State for that game because they've been trying to get game day to come to Washington State forever. And they finally got a chance to go there last year, and it's, it was pretty awesome. Um, so I think that's the cool thing about college game day. And I think um, I'm guessing it was you, JB, who tweeted out, um, don't be surprised if game day goes to Minnesota for Penn State, Minnesota, uh, over Alabama, LSU next week. And um, I wouldn't be super surprised, but it would be tough to overcome number one versus number two. Yeah, well, that's the biggest factor. Would be cool to, for them to go to Minnesota for that. Game. Yeah, I mean, if they go to Minneapolis, it'll be an atmosphere like they had in Pullman last year. Yeah. I mean, the fans in Minneapolis will be absolutely crazy for that game too, especially since they're hosting, you know, top ten, you know, prestigious Penn State program too, and they're they'll both be eight zero and undefeated. I mean, that's gonna be a great atmosphere. It just sucks for Minnesota though that they're gonna be competing with the number one versus number two game, and it's just hard for ESPN not to go to Tuscaloosa, even though they've been there, you know, a million times. Yeah, for sure. All right, before we get into the SEC games of the week, I want to take another couple minutes to describe my weekend in Nashville, my Halloween weekend, which I don't think Holt or JB care as much about my costume, as much about uh, the food that I ate there. So I'll just get straight to the food I ate. Um, Nashville is known for hot chicken, but I did not get there, get their hot chicken there because um, Hattie B's, the most famous chicken place, is now in Atlanta. So um, I can get that here anytime I want. Uh, so I actually tried some barbecue, um, a place called Peg Leg Porker, and it was actually pretty good. I got, um, I guess you can see from the picture, but I got ribs, um, barbecue nachos, and mac and cheese fries, and a pulled chicken sandwich for the homegirl that I ate a little bit of. Um, the barbecue nachos were really good. The ribs had good flavor. They could have been, I think that might've been cooked a little too much because the, um, they were a little dry, but um, overall it was, it was pretty good. Um, us, JB, did you know of that place? And did you know that um, Nashville was actually voted like the best barbecue town in America for some publication a while ago? I remember that. Yeah, I do. And, and Nashville's definitely got some, you know, decent barbecue joints. I know of Jack's that's on Broadway. That's pretty popular. Yeah. But also um, when you said mention hot chicken, it's not just Prince. It's not just uh Hattie B's. There's a few yeah. other ones. Uh, Prince's is uh, well, a lot of the locals actually like more than Hattie B's. And I know there's some other hot chicken places there too, like hole in the walls, but Prince's is like what the locals in Nashville really prefer. You will be proud to know that on the way Friday night, because it was raining, it did actually take a lot longer to get to Nashville from Atlanta because I left a little bit later and we were trying to go on Broadway that I, we did stop at the world famous Chili's and Murphy's were on the way because we didn't have time to go home, go out to eat and then go back home and go back out to eat. And it was just too much. And we wanted to make sure we got the pregame on properly. So um, we decided to eat on the way um, quicker so we could, uh, spend more time downtown and pre-gaming but um, fun trip nonetheless I recommend everybody go to Nashville um, if you can get the chance especially if you like country music it's a lot of a lot of fun uh, especially on Halloween and that was a Titans game Titans game was fun because they did win but I'll be honest with you I was a little 
underwhelmed slash unimpressed with the home crowd. Um, I'm not sure if it was just because it was the Bucks game, uh, our Bucks coming to town, but the fans weren't as loud and didn't show up as much as I wanted to. Um, I got tickets relatively cheap. I don't know how much NFL tickets are actually go for, but I, I paid like $55 per ticket, and they were obviously really high up. But, I mean, I could have moved down if I wanted to, but we ended up not. But um, I'm glad they got the win. But um, I just wish it was a little bit louder and more fans than what I saw. Yeah, that's just kind of how NFL games are. I feel like there might be some really good atmospheres, but most of the NFL games I've been to, it's just not like college. The fans just aren't as into it. Um, it's just a little bit more of a sleepy crowd. Um, I no, I, I, I don't know. I kind of disagree with that. I, I definitely think college, especially in the SEC, the fans are more live. But there are some <laughs> NFL teams that pack their stadium, get pretty loud and ratchet. For instance, yeah. Falcons, Falcons definitely get loud and ratchet, and they're fun. Um, the Packers yeah. are loud. And then the, it's, it's kind of <clears> hard <throat> to get your mind ready for it but because it's on a Sunday usually. But people go hard on Sunday, like wake up, go <laughs> to the tailgate, and drink all day before – the game starts at noon or one. It's kind of hard to get your mind around it, but people definitely uh, make a big deal for the games. But I think I think still uh, college football is in, in the South. Or college football Saturdays in the South is still bigger than NFL Sundays in the South. Yeah, it does. And um, when I the loudest and most raucous crowd that I've ever experienced – well, I don't know raucous, but the most hostile crowd I ever experienced was uh, in 2011 when it was the Falcons and the Packers on a Sunday night football game. That was – that crowd there, I was surrounded by Falcons and Packers fans alike, and both of those fan bases just jawing at each other the whole time, and I'm just sitting there just, like, you know, trying to, like, just stay out of it and just, like, try to watch the game. Yeah. It's still fun. I will say that I've only been to see the Titans and the Bears at home, and I thought both home atmospheres were underwhelming. Yeah. So. It's definitely not like uh, SEC – football game i don't think um especially if the team's doing halfway decent uh let's get to the great sec games let's start off with the georgia florida game you know both of these teams are have one loss and both of them are top 10 kind of surprised to see florida ranked ahead of georgia at this point in the season we all thought georgia is going to be a lot better than florida especially because florida slash dan mullen talks a lot of um, crap before the season started, but it's good to see that both these teams are pretty close, closely ranked, and I think it's gonna be a fun game. JB was texting me before this podcast. Um, you don't need to reveal anything, Alex. Yesterday, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell him everything you told me about everything. I'm just saying, JB was telling me that he wasn't sure about this game because you would think the easy pick would be Georgia, but he wasn't sure if Florida could beat him. So, I'm not revealing a pick, JB. Just tell me. Why you struggled with this pick? I struggled because it's, it's just both teams have had, you know, a week off. And I really, you know, trust Dan Mullen a little bit more than Kirby Smart in a close game. I mean, I, and plus uh, the one factor that I've noticed this year is that Georgia, I mean, Florida is really, really good in the fourth quarter. And if this game, you know, is a really close game going into the fourth quarter, I really like Florida's chances. Now, if Georgia's winning, you know, by double digits going into the fourth quarter, I, I like Georgia. But if this game's close, you know, I mean, Florida just knows how to, you know, win in the end in the fourth quarter this year. I mean, they've been outstanding, I mean, and, and during that quarter dominating the opponents. So, I mean, that's really the biggest factor for me. And also, um, if you look at the numbers between Trask and Fromm, Trask has had better numbers than Fromm on paper. And Trask has, you know, played less games than Fromm. 
Yeah. Holt, uh, the one thing Georgia fans have been complaining about that I've been reading slash hearing around town <laughs> is the lack of variety in their offense. Um, everybody's saying how predictable their offense is. Um, Kirby Smart's kind of like a Nick Saban disciple, and Nick Saban for a while was there, was hard-headed too about running the ball so much. Everybody just thinks that Georgia is predictably going to just, you know, ground, uh, excuse me, run the ball every um, every chance they can get and just wear out the defense. But um, Florida, on the other hand, has a little bit more dynamic passing offense. Do you think there's a chance we could see a little bit more uh, passing offense here this week from Georgia? Well, man, I think Georgia's passing offense has been okay, like, uh, yardage-wise. It's just that they don't take as many shots as you feel like they should. They don't throw the ball down the field as much as you feel like they should. Their passing game is, like, very underneath and, like, very simple, easy, short completions for Fromm. And, you know, you just kind of wonder, like, you know, Fromm has the arm to make all the throws. Why aren't they taking advantage of that more? And, uh, you know, obviously they're really good at running the ball. They run the ball, you know, like crazy. They are averaging over 230 yards of rushing a game. Um, it's just that the passing game has not been there. Uh, the receivers are not um, to the level of some other teams in this conference, like, you know, Alabama and LSU and some others. Um, so they've really had to rely on some short passing game and um, running the football. And it's just, um, you know, it's one of those things where, like, they recruit really good receivers, but none of them are playing like they're that good. And, um, you know, the offense has just lacks creativity um, in the passing game and uh, been kind of dull at times. Um, it's, you know, obviously South Carolina game, they had some turnovers. The Kentucky game was in a monsoon, so I won't hold that against them too much. Um, so, I mean, you just got to – we just got to see some more creativity from this offense, especially in the passing game. And, you know, throwing the ball down the field and um, – you know, just being more aggressive, I guess, because I think you have to have more faith in Fromm. You know, it's his third year as a starter. He's a great leader, great quarterback, and, you know, he's shown in the past what he can do in the passing game, and I just feel like they need to kind of just turn him loose a little bit. To back up what JB said, comparing Fromm's numbers versus Trask, Fromm has 1406, 1,406 yards with nine touchdowns and three interceptions, a 70%, almost 71% completion rate. And Kyle Trask has 1,391 yards, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions, 67% completion rate. So it's really close. I mean, you can you can argue either way who has better numbers. Fromm has a little bit more yards and higher completion rate, but uh, Trask has more touchdowns. Um, so it's, it's really close. Uh, that's what Dan Mullen's – specialty is it's supposed to be the QB whisper. So it's kind of amazing when you think about Kyle Trask being the backup <laughs> and he's doing just as good as you know the five star recruit Jake Fromm. I think that's pretty cool. It is. And another factor about this game is that uh James Coley has really got to get more aggressive with his play calling. I mean he can't be conservative, you know, in his in his in his calls against this uh Florida defense. I mean you gotta be more aggressive because you know the way Grantham you know, likes to sit in the house, like, he's going to have to take some shots down the field. That's the way you're going to be to grant them defense. And and Coley does not like to call a lot of throws down the field. I mean, Georgia's got some receivers that can make plays, you know, guys like, you know, Pickens and uh, Herring that are both, you know, solid receivers. I mean, they got to do plays like that. Cause you're not going to beat Florida with, you know, throwing balls in the flat to Swift or, you know, throwing, you know, drag routes and uh, rub routes. I mean, that's not going to be enough. Like, they're going to have to get more aggressive. 
We talked about Georgia's defense being great. Everybody knows Georgia's defense is really good um, based off of their seasons with Kirby Smart, even including this year. But Florida's defense has actually stepped it up a lot too this year. Holt, do you think Florida's defense is on par with Georgia's defense this year? No, not quite. I, Georgia, Florida's defense is good, but they're not on Georgia's level. I think Georgia's one of the uh, upper-tier defenses in the conference. I think Florida's maybe more middle-tier. Um, you know, if you just look at the numbers, I mean, I know it's just yardage, but um, Georgia's giving up 266 yards a game. Um, Florida's defense is 319, so a um, little bit of a difference there. Um, both defenses have been really good. Um, especially considering how good offenses have been in 2019. Um, but both defenses are good, but I just think Georgia's is a step ahead. Um, and I think Florida's offense has been a little bit more efficient this year, um, especially playing some tougher defenses than Georgia has. Um, so it's it's going to be really interesting to see which offense is going to be able to move the ball. Are we going to say DeAndre Swift is the best playmaker in this game? I mean, if we're just talking about skill position players, then yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of great players on the field in this one. Um, both teams recruit pretty well, especially Georgia. Um, but uh, if we're just talking about like skill position players on offense, and I mean, yeah, I think he's the best, the best player on the field. But he is the best player overall in this on this game. Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm and JB, would you disagree? I think JB might disagree. Maybe one of the offensive linemen for Georgia. I don't know. Are you asking who the best player on the field is? Yeah. I mean, I still think it's Jake Fromm. I mean, are you talking about uh, when Georgia's offense is on the field? No, no, no. I'm just talking it's about the whole game. Yeah, the whole game. Oh, both teams. Uh, I mean, that's, that's tough. I mean, that safety for Georgia is really good, J.R. Reed or whatever. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I really like Reed, like Holt said. But, I mean, I, I still got to go with Fromm. I mean, I I really just think Fromm has been limited by the uh, – by Really by the play calling that's been, you know, by Coley. I mean, the play calling is just – not that aggressive. I mean, it's not like Georgia lacks weapons. I mean, yeah, they did lose some weapons from last year, but like I said just a few seconds ago, I mean, Pickens and Harrigan are both more than capable of being playing. I mean, of course, you got DeAndre Swift there back there to compliment you in an awesome offensive line. There's no reason the offense should be, uh, you know, underperforming like it is right now. This game definitely needs to be on the SEC slow smoke bucket list. I feel like this game would be a lot of fun to go to. Yeah, I really wanted to go to it this year, but uh, fortunately we were unable to. And it's just getting from Jack- Memphis to Jacksonville is very difficult. There's not really a good way. That would um, be a flight, I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You'd have to fly, and there wouldn't be any direct flights either. So we'd probably have to fly to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. You, we could drive from here to Jacksonville. It's like less than six hours, like five, five and a half, somewhere around there. So it's. I mean, I feel like if we're going to fly to Atlanta, we might as well just connect and fly to Jacksonville. I feel like. That would just be easier. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if y'all are doing it, if I do, I might drive just because it's close. But that's yeah. hypothetical because we're not going this year. But definitely um, – and this would be a good year to go because both teams are getting top ten. Um, another thing I want to add is if Florida wins this, you know they're never going to let Georgia uh, – the Georgia fans uh, never hear this again, if that makes sense. I don't, I don't know if I'm <laughs> – Yeah. I mean, not, not just not let Georgia fans hear it again, but if Florida wins this game – they're going to run the table all the way to Atlanta, and they're going to be in a position where all they need to do is beat Alabama or LSU and go to the college football playoff. Like, the rest of their schedule after Georgia is pretty much a breeze for Florida. Georgia, on the other hand, has got a few more tough games. But Florida's schedule the rest of the way is at pretty Missouri. much – Yeah, at Missouri is the toughest one. And, I mean, that, but other than that, like, that's – it's and then they got to play Florida State. But, yeah. you know, you know how bad they are. Like, 
Florida's going to run the table the rest of the way, regardless of what happens against Georgia. So we're looking at eleven one and then two year for Florida, which is a really really good year for them, especially up for schedule playing. I mean, at, at, I mean, at worst for Florida, they're going to a New Year Six Bowl. Yeah. At best, they're going to the College Football Playoff. I mean, that, that's I mean that's the if your floor is going to New Year's Six Bowl, that's a really good season. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game for sure. This is um, this is going to be a main screen game for sure. I, I can't even think of what other games are on at this time. But I mean, I guess that's kind of a relevant question because this is going to be um, the main. Arkansas game. Mississippi State at the same time. Not the same. Thirty minutes later, I, I was just looking at that and just thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, as like, we call, as I call, the irrelevant game. The SEC Network always puts on the irrelevant game at three o'clock that nobody else wants to watch. Hold, is this a red slip game for the loser? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, but since both coaches are in their second year, I still think that they have some more wiggle room, especially Joe Moorhead. I don't think Joe Moorhead's getting fired this year, aside from losing out, um, and that includes Abilene Christian at home. <laughs> um, I think, like, even then. Um, even if they did lose out, like I still just am under the impression that he's going to be back next year. Um, you know, maybe Chad Morris, um, if they, you know, finish the season on a sour note, they go winless in conference again. That's more of a fireable offense because it's been back to back bad years. Um, I mean, obviously Mississippi State underachieved last year, but they still went eight and five. So, I mean, it's hard to put too much blame on Moorhead, even considering how much talent he had last year, but. Um, I think Chad Morris maybe gets fired there this year, but I don't think Moorhead will be. Um, I think whoever loses this game, they can't recover from this, whether it's the end of this year, <laughs> after this game, or next year. I just don't think you're I don't know. I think you're putting too much on one game. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think either one of these coaches is that good. I don't think either one of these coaches is ever going to turn into a great coach. But, I mean – to put it all on like this one game, I mean, I don't know if that's yeah. It's true. definitely it's definitely not going to be on one game, but I mean, I will tell you this: uh, Arkansas is guaranteed already have a bad season just by the rest of their schedule. Mississippi State still has a window, not a big window, but a sm- a little window to uh, still make it to six wins and make it to a bowl. There is no window for Arkansas to get to six wins. I mean, that window is already slammed shut. But for State, they still have a glimmer of hope that they can get to six wins. Yeah. It's um, it's a glimmer, right? It's a glimmer. Hold, are you feeling confident about this one, even after Chad Morris uh, guaranteed a win against Mississippi State? Um, I don't feel confident about Mississippi State against anybody right now, um, especially on the road. Mississippi State has been absolutely terrible on the road under Joe Moorhead, like just absolutely dreadful. Um, just very undisciplined play on the road, lack of motivation on the road, just lacks of days go play. Um, there really hasn't been anything from Joe Moore's tenure at Mississippi State to maybe think that they can go on the road and beat anybody. Um, you know, I said the same thing for the Tennessee game. This Mississippi State team is not good enough to be a touchdown favorite over anyone on the road. And they're a touchdown favorite again this week against Arkansas. And, man, does that say a lot about Arkansas. I mean, man, does that say a lot about them. Mississippi State has played like absolute dog crap the last four weeks in a row. Not one good game in there, not one solid performance, just four absolutely terrible performances in a row, and they're still favored by a touchdown of Arkansas on the road. I mean, like, I'm not trying to, like, hate on Arkansas too much, but, man, like, what does that say about Arkansas? JB, I know you want to fire up the fans if you're Chad Morris by guaranteeing a win, but why would you do that? It just really puts more pressure on you than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just, you know, depends on the interpretation of what, you know, Morris said. I really don't think he was trying to say he's guaranteeing a win. 
I think what he was really trying to say is that they're going into the game expecting to, you know, to win. Like they, like they're just trying to get his players motivated. But yeah, like it definitely doesn't look good on his part. Like I mean, and you know that Art Chad Morris and his team got this game circled. Like they, they really truly believe this is a game that they could win, and they're going to come out guns blazing. And supposedly Ben Hicks is going to be healthy, and he's well. I don't know if I'd say healthy, but he's going to most likely play, and he'll be the quarterback in this one. And I mean, maybe he'll be the spark they need. And I am really excited about this game. I mean, just because I mean, I I don't know what to expect, but I actually think this is going to be a barn burner. I think it's going to be a four quarter game. I mean, between two teams that are, you know, desperate for something, you know, for, you know, something to, you know, change their fortunes. I mean, and it's also on the flip side, it's a must win for Mississippi State. I mean, if they lose, they're not going to a bowl. I mean, really for Mississippi State, every other game, like the Mississippi State, uh, for Mississippi State, the games against Arkansas and Ole Miss are must wins. They have to win those two games to go to a bowl. So, I mean, it all starts for Mississippi State this weekend and then for Arkansas, yeah, you know, they got you got to get a win for Chad Morris and get that SEC victory, you know, get that first signature victory. And, I mean, if you look at Arkansas' schedule, 2-10 and 10 is not out of the realm of the possibility for them to finish. But most likely, I'd say they could probably get another win or two. Yeah. It's uh, – I don't know if it's going to be the prettiest game, but it's it's uh, going to be a fun game to watch. It kind of reminds me of the South Carolina-Tennessee, except for a lower level than that, if that makes sense. Um, because – it's two teams that feel like they can win and they need to win. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for it. Holt, what are you scared about in this game besides Mississippi State being on the road? Are you scared about the quarterbacks throwing interceptions? No, I mean, just everything, honestly. Like, I mean, there's no portion of Mississippi State's team that's been consistently good. I mean, the only thing you can really say is Colin Hill, who even after three really bad performances in a row, bounced back last weekend, had a big game. He's still leading the conference in rushing. So, I mean, he's a really good player. Um, and, I mean, I, I feel like he's going to have a big game on Saturday. But at the same time, we haven't seen anything from Mississippi State to make us think that they're going to be able to go on the road and put together a really solid performance in this one. Um, if I just say one thing that scares me the most, it's probably it's got to be Rakeem Boyd. I mean, the running back for Arkansas. He's been their most consistent playmaker. Uh, Mississippi State has struggled against the run a little bit this year. Uh, they will be technically, I guess, I'll, I'll say full strength in quotations because they have a lot of injuries, but uh, their suspended players are going to be playing in this one. So Willie Gay is going to be starting at linebacker for Mississippi State, and he's probably been their best playmaker when he's been on the field this year. Um, and their, their two best defensive performances this year, uh, even though they lost one of them, was Kentucky and Tennessee, and those were the two games that he's played in. So, um I think he makes a huge difference. Um, State's corners are banged up. So, I mean, man, it's just it's just tough. Like, I really don't know. Um, I mean, I really don't know what to expect. I'm not really getting my hopes up for anything. Um, I think if you're an Arkansas fan, this is probably your best shot for a win, aside from possibly the Missouri game, um, as far as an SEC win goes. How does this work? You watch the Georgia-Florida game on the big screen, and you still watch the Mississippi State-Arkansas game on a small TV, or do you go to, like, your own room to watch Mississippi State-Arkansas? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it yet, honestly. Um, I guess it, we'll just put the games on um, to start, and we'll just see where it goes. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, should be fun one to watch, too. Another fun, fun one um, that I'm excited about, but – I'm sure not everybody else is excited about is this UAB Tennessee game. Uh, Tennessee is on the up and up, but UAB is six and one. And I know 
Holt Smash loves him some Bill Clark. So, uh, Holt, should you have or should Tennessee be worried about UAB? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if they should like expect this to be like a toss up game or anything like that. I mean, I definitely think Tennessee is a better team, but, um, you know, the way Tennessee's played this year and, um, it's been kind of up and down, you know, I think a lot of Tennessee fans would like to think that all their problems are behind them now after a big one last week. Um, and, you know, I just, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, I think they maybe still have some growing pains this year. It would definitely be big for Tennessee, a big win and keep the momentum going in the right direction. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sold that all Tennessee's problems are behind them and UAB is a really well-coached team. Um, that I think could come in and give Tennessee's offense maybe a little bit of trouble and uh, keep this one kind of a tight, low-scoring game. Jebby, who's going to be the starting quarterback for this game? Uh, the starting quarterback's going to be Juwan Jennings. He's going to be Are listed as – No, he's going to be listed as a starter. He was listed as a starter against South Carolina as well. Doesn't mean he's going to take the most snaps. He might take, like, maybe three or four snaps at quarterback, but he will be listed as a starter. But uh, Garantano and uh, Maurer are both expected to play, and I – I think Garantano is supposed to be back as well. He had minor hand surgery on Monday but or on Sunday, I believe, but he's expected to be back. And then, of course, uh, Maurer is going to be back as well. And then Shroud. So, I mean, they got, like, you know, three quarterbacks that are all capable of coming in there. And Garantano, of course, had his best game last week against South Carolina. But here's a really interesting fact about UAB, though. The opponents they have beaten, all their all their six wins have come against teams with losing records. And their one game that they uh, played a winning – the team with a winning record was Western Kentucky, and they lost it. So, by all, by and all, like, UAB's um, one, right? uh, resume is really not that impressive. And I hate to say that about UAB because I'm a big fan of Bill Clark. But this is this is their toughest game for UAB. I mean, obviously, it is the toughest game. But, I mean, they haven't really had a tough schedule to begin with so far this year. I mean – I'm not going to blame it on, you know, Conference USA or, you know, UAB itself. It's just it's just the way the schedules work for them, you know, this season. But uh, that's it was really surprising to me when I was doing my research on them. But, I mean, I, I did uh, scan, you know, some of the UAB uh, social media, you know, boards and seeing how their fans are. And a lot of them are not confident at all. Like, a lot of them are just wanting Bill Clark to uh, not show much at all because they're all thinking, you know, Conference USA championships. They don't want to uh, – give away too much against Tennessee and because they don't even they think even if they pull out all the stops that they're still not going to beat Tennessee because they all think that Tennessee like it's not the same team that that you know opened the season September that it is now and I mean I do think that uh, Tennessee's much improved and they've gotten better as the season progressed and they're probably arguably the most improved team in the conference just by the last few weeks but I still don't think Tennessee's completely turned around I mean they definitely have some flaws that that need to be addressed. But I mean, as far as UAB and Tennessee is concerned, I mean, Tennessee should still win by double digits. Although I do think UAB can uh, give them a run for, you know, maybe two or three quarters. I know it was late in the game last week, JB, but um, I think Shroud might've looked the best of all the quarterbacks from Tennessee. Yeah. Shroud definitely has the better arm of the, uh, of the younger quarterbacks, you know, between him and Maurer. But uh, Shroud, the problem with him early in the year was uh, he was just like a wild thing. Like, he was throwing the football over the place. Uh, his mechanics were off. But he's a lot more comfortable in the pocket now than he was early in the season. I mean, it's just a testament to, uh, you know, Jim Chaney and just developing him and, you know, getting him more patient and more comfortable with the offense. And 
I mean, like I said, I mean, the team is, you know, it's not the same team that opened the first two weeks of the season. Like, they're they're much improved now. And, I mean, the rest of their schedule, I mean, that Tennessee's got a path to uh, get to six wins and make it to a bowl, which would be remarkable after their first two games of the season. For sure. If you look at Georgia State, they're six and two, if that makes you feel any better. They're, um, I think Tennessee would beat them now, but Georgia State's not as bad as they were the year before. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, I think if Tennessee were to play – Georgia State, BYU again. Like now, I would probably think Tennessee can win both of those. But if Tennessee doesn't make it to a bowl, you'll definitely go back to those first two games and look as the reasons why. For sure. Um, I didn't get a chance to tell you all, but we watched the South Carolina, Tennessee slash LSU um, Auburn game at a bar. Actually, it wasn't a bar, it was a brewery um, in Nashville. And I didn't realize it, but it turned into a South Carolina bar in Nashville. Um, which was kind of cool to think about, to like be there and to think about um, <laughs> what was it? it was like the first one of the first plays of the game. It was like it was a huge South Carolina like catch and run for touchdown. Jay. It was like a sixty or seventy yard run or something like that. Seventy five yards. Yeah, there was there was probably like ten South Carolina fans like yelling really loud when that happened, and there was like two Tennessee fans that came in. <laughs> right during that play, and they heard, they looked and heard the South Carolina fans, and they walked right back out. <laughs> it was, it was kind of funny. But then uh, we left there before the end of the game. But uh, it would have been interesting to see like what the South Carolina fans were like at the end of the game as Tennessee was pulling away. Um, but I just thought it was cool that there was a South Carolina bar randomly in Nashville. Um, but yeah, that should be a good game, or not an easy game, I guess, against UAB. I think yeah, definitely not an easy game, but. I mean, I feel I still believe that Tennessee should be able to win it by double digits, but it won't be like you know in control of the whole game. I think Tennessee in the second half will probably you know start to slowly pull away. But UAB is you know a really good team. They're coming off a bye. They're going to come in playing hard. And I mean, Bill Clark is an outstanding coach too, and he's going to get a Power Five job one of these days. I don't know when, but he deserves one. Mississippi State, right, Holt? Man, I wish. Uh, apparently, from what I've heard, he's got like – I mean, I heard someone say this this week. doesn't mean it's true, but I have heard that he's got like a $9 million buyout or something stupid. UAB? Um, yeah, so d- apparently he's just very loyal to UAB. Obviously, he went through the whole um, death of the program and rebirth sort of uh, process. So, he's definitely very uh, ingrained there. They really love him there. And, um, you know, they definitely – are going to do whatever it takes to keep them. And uh, I just want to say one more thing about this game. Um, just that UAB's defense has played really well this season and Tennessee's offense has struggled a little bit. Um, you know, they did have a big game against South Carolina last week, but there were um, two non-offensive touchdowns scored in that game. And most of their plays came on big plays. And I just feel like UAB is going to be a little bit more disciplined um, in this one. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that I expect UAB to pull the upset because I don't. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is kind of a low-scoring, ugly game and uh, kind of a close game into the second half. But, um, you know, like JB said, UAB is more focused on their conference schedule. They got some really big games coming up against uh, Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech that are really going to determine their division. And I think those are the games that they're really concerned about. I mean, I know they would love to get a win against an SEC team, but, um, you know, I think most of their focus is on winning their conference um, going forward. But – just, just don't be surprised that this is a close game. Uh, maybe in the second half, like kind of a low scoring, like maybe thirteen to three game in like the third quarter. <laughs> it's crazy to think about how 
much conference realignment affects everyone. At, you know, whatever it was, five or six years ago, UAB and Southern Miss were both in Conference USA with Memphis, and Memphis got the bump up to the American slash the Big East, and then it turned into the American, and UAB and Southern Miss are stuck in Conference USA, and now they're looked at like a division below the American and Memphis. Crazy how it all happens. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's move on to the other games. Ole Miss and Auburn. Oh, man, I got a cough. <coughs> Excuse me. Throat tickle. Yeah, it is a little bit. Ole Miss-Auburn. This game is at 7 Eastern time. It's after the Florida-Georgia game. <laughs> I was supposed to say Florida-Georgia line. After the Ole Miss uh, – after the Florida-Georgia game at <laughs> ESPN. And uh, the only reason why I'm nervous about going out and watching – football games this week is that as big as the Memphis SMU game is this week and it's game day, I feel like in Atlanta, Ole Miss and Auburn might have priority on the TVs over Memphis SMU. So I'm a little nervous to go out and watch the game um, just because there are a lot of Ole Miss and Auburn fans here. So no, you should definitely not go out. I think you should just uh, enjoy watching Memphis SMU in the comfort of your place and you can go out afterwards because I mean, I just, I mean, I'm just gonna go ahead and be point blank. I mean, you, you probably already know. You're in Atlanta. You're in an LC, SEC melting pot. You're gonna get mainly SEC games on as your priority games there. Yeah, I mean, it depends where you go. If you go to the, if, like, friends, if you go to the Badger, there's like a bajillion TVs. So, I mean, one of them's gonna have a Memphis game. But yeah, I would agree with that. And that's what I'm kind of nervous about is if uh, I did go out to. Um, like Buckhead, for instance, I feel like there's going to be definitely more SEC games, especially you have Ole Miss, Auburn, and then you have UAB, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, all around the same time. Yeah, I mean, those – and plus, you know, even though bars might have like 15 TVs, they'll probably put all three of those games, like, you know, four on each of those, and then maybe like a couple of random ones on the other ones. So you might only have like one TV with Memphis SMU. Well, three of them are, you know, like, you know, UAB, Tennessee, and three, you know, Vandy, South Carolina. By the way, that is like a pet peeve of mine as um, when you go out to watch games at a bar, some, I mean, some bars like have it set up right, but then there's some bars that like, they'll have like two, two games on and they'll have like 10 TVs and then like, you know, five TVs will be like some random show on TBS because somebody hasn't flipped the channel to like the most current game. And it just really irks me that like a sports bar or a bar in general doesn't have like the most current or most relevant game on TV. They'll have like some random show instead of a game. But that's just um, how it is sometimes. Um, going into this game, Ole Miss-Auburn. Oh, Ole Miss is improving, but it's still at Auburn. So I don't really think uh, there's so much Ole Miss can do about this game. No, I don't either. I mean, I think the talent edge in this one is pretty wide. Um, I think Auburn is just a more complete team. Um, the only reservation I have about Auburn in this one is – Coming off a really tough loss against LSU last week and Ole Miss coming off a bye, um, you know, they could – if they pull an upset here, they could potentially make a ball game. Um, I know that's unlikely to happen still, but um, this might be their last chance to get a win that they need to get to a bowl game um, because if they lose this one, they still got LSU coming up and not to mention a road trip to Mississippi State as well. Yeah. So, um you know, the odds of them making a bowl game right now are pretty slim, but if they could somehow pull an upset, they'd be right back in the conversation for that um, as the Astros just totally blow up the Game 7 of the World Series uh, right in front of our eyes. Holy shit. Um, but, uh, 
I need anyway. A, I need a quick update real quick because I'm not I'm not, not watching. Oh yeah, the well it's the top of the ninth. The, the um, Nationals were already up six to two, and they had the bases loaded. They hit uh, hard ground ball to center field, and the center fielder just booted it, and two runs scored. Mm. And so now it's first and third with one out. Poor but, poor matches Mac man. Man, I tell you what, I just I really just don't like the Nationals, so this is pretty tough on me. But um. Anyway, I mean, as far as the Ole Miss-Auburn game goes, I mean, yeah, like, I just – I feel like Ole Miss is going to come out really excited to play this game, and I think Auburn might be sleepwalking a little bit, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think Auburn is just way better than Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will – I do agree with Holt for the most part. But, I mean, Ole Miss, you know, like, they're coming off a uh, bye week at the same time, and I know this is a game they're going to have that – they, that the team and Matt Luke believes that this is probably their best chance to steal a game – and get back into bowl consideration. I mean, they're not going to beat LSU at home, most likely. I think this game is a better matchup for Ole Miss because Auburn's offense has struggled of late. And, you know, Ole Miss's offense, you know, is maybe not the greatest, but I think they can make enough plays, you know, with, with uh, you know, Rice Plumley and Corral, you know, coming in and switching. And if they make enough plays, you know, to get enough points on the board, things could get interesting. I mean, I, I think that's really going to be the uh, X factor in this game. I mean – because Auburn's offense, the way it struggled, I mean, it might cancel out with Ole Miss's defense. And I don't really think this could be a, a low-scoring affair. I mean, I do like Auburn in this one, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ole Miss, you know, pushes this game into the fourth quarter. Uh, I would be surprised if Ole Miss pushes into the fourth quarter. We will see, but I would be surprised. Um, two other SEC games we haven't talked about yet. Texas a and plays uh, Texas San Antonio. Don't really want to – Go into detail about that one. That's an easy win for Texas A&M. Um, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, I do want to go into. Vanderbilt's coming off the big win against Missouri where Derek Mason went off again on the mic uh, post game, which is my favorite part of Derek Mason's uh, coaching uh, and his career at Vanderbilt is his post game like hype up speech. I mean, I don't know about you, Holder. I'm ready to run through a brick wall for him after he gives that like post game hype talk. Oh, yeah, every time. I mean, Derek Mason is probably my favorite coach in the SEC to see win. Um, it's just really exciting. And, and, I mean, plus, you know, we all know how hard it is to win at Vanderbilt. We all know that what he has to go through. And um, he still gets so much hate. And, I mean, look, I understand getting blown out by, you know. Um, UNLV. Yeah, UNLV is – I told you to like there for some reason. Um, I understand, like, that's really embarrassing and all that stuff, but – you know what I mean? Like he he has he has to deal with a lot. They lost a lot off last year's team, and it's tough to get your guys up to play every week. And um, the fact that they came off that loss to get a big win at home against Missouri is really impressive. And you know you just gotta give Derek Mason credit. He's an easy guy to pull for. I like him a lot. He's really intense, and you can tell that uh, the players really like playing for him as well because they've had plenty of chances to quit this season and they haven't. Yes, uh, JB, do you think that? Will Muschamp is going to wear his glasses again in the hopes to beat Vanderbilt at home? I think he's going to be wearing his glasses from here on out. I mean, I just – like you said, he's getting old and he needs them. So, I mean, he's going to – I think he's going to wear his uh, glasses. But uh, at the same time, uh, I'm really – I feel bad for – I don't know if I say feel bad for much. I feel more bad for uh, for Derek Mason because, I mean, it's, he's not the problem with Vanderbilt at all. The problem is that he's coaching at Vanderbilt. And I really uh, don't think – that he's given enough credit for what he's done. 
I mean, they're not going to win it's in Columbia. In Columbia, I mean, I think South, South Carolina obviously needs this victory badly. I mean, of course, Vanderbilt needs it too. But South Carolina, like, if, if they lose this one, I mean, you can go ahead and guarantee they're not going to make it to a bowl. I mean, I, I actually don't even think South Carolina even really has a window to make it to a bowl anyway. But, I mean, if they lose this weekend, I mean, that window completely closes. I mean, I, I think South Carolina could win this one big. I think they need a uh, bounce-back game after last week. Because going into the game last week, South Carolina looked like they were starting to turn the corner. And then, you know, they get, you know, dominated in the second half against Tennessee. I think they need a bounce-back victory in the worst way. And I really like South Carolina to, uh, you know, go out on the field and uh, dominate Vanderbilt from start to finish. Anything else you want to add, Holt or JB, about this game? Um, I'll just say that I expect a little bit closer game than JB does, only because it's Will Muschamp, and I never have confidence in him to blow out anybody. No respect, Holt. For- I mean, I like Will Muschamp as a coach. I'm just saying he's not going to – I would never pick him to blow to blow another team out, like, ever. Like, I just think he's probably going to mess around and, like, this is going to be a close game and it might look like they're going to lose for a little bit. Like, that's well, all I'm to, put it, to put it in perspective, I think my, my final score right now would be 24-6. But I, I think the whole time that the game would pretty much be in hand in South Carolina's favor. Like, they'll control from start to finish. I mean, but I just don't see Vanderbilt, you know, scoring a lot of points either. Their offense is just abysmal. And, I mean, in South Carolina will, you know, get enough points. And they'll, they'll just control the entire game. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. The line's fifteen. It's it's a tough one to call. I could I could talk myself in going either way, which is why I prefer to do the over under because that's more fun to play against. Um, all right, I think that's all the SEC games. Um, I think it might be time for a world famous pick 'em. Uh, I have nine games to pick this week, and Holt and JB are going to be doing the picking. Just a little friendly reminder, um, I won't let JB do it because JB gets tired of reminding everyone why we're doing this. But um, to start the for the whole college football season, JB and Holt are picking uh, games each week, winners and losers. And whoever has the most games right at the end of the year has to wear the other guys, the other person's favorite team and take it and use it as a profile picture for Twitter and Facebook. Do I have that right, JB? Uh, you are correct. All right, making sure I heard I heard some cracks, so I'm making sure I, I don't I'm not saying something wrong here. It was just cute the way you said it. All right, no, I appreciate that. Um, without further ado, there is a uh, lead right now. I think Holt has a slight edge lead, right, or is it tied? Wrong. Ooh. I last week we had a Holt and I had a difference of three different games, and I swept all three of those. Uh, Holt had a two game lead going into last week. I swept three games that we had a difference in, and now I'm back up by one. So it's been back and forth. I mean, I, w- I was leading all season until last week when Holt got a two-game lead going into the week, but I'm now back in the lead by a narrow margin of just one game. It will be fun to see who you're going to pick then because I got some tough ones. Let's start it off with Oregon at USC. JB. Got to go with Oregon here. Holt. I got the Trojans in an upset. I was really, uh, really disappointed with uh, Oregon's performance last week, even though they did get the win. Um, USC has kind of bounced back a little bit this year. No one's really given them a lot of love. They do have a uh, big win over Utah. They're still the only team that's beaten Utah this year. Uh, They're at home for this one. Um, You know, I'm just not really sold on Oregon right now. And uh, Washington State gave Oregon's defense a lot of problems. And uh, I think 
USC has runs a similar style offense with Graham Harrell, and they got some really talented receivers at USC. So I think USC is going to pull the upset at home and uh, get the win over Oregon. I like the pick, Holt. Virginia at UNC, Holt. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, man, I mean, this one is really a toss-up for me. Um, I like Virginia a little bit more, but North Carolina's at home. Um Man, uh, Virginia's really been struggling the last couple weeks, so I feel like they're trending down. But, man, yeah, I'm going to go with Virginia in this one. I don't feel great about it. I just – I like Bronco Mendenhall. I like Virginia's defense. Um, North Carolina's offense has been pretty good this year, but I just – I'm just more of a conservative person. I like to go with the defense, and their defense has been a little bit better. I think it's going to travel on the road. They're going to bounce back this week and get the win on the road against North Carolina. JB. I like UNC in this one, so that's – First two games, Holt and I have opposite picks. I like this. I like where we're headed, guys. Next game, Florida Atlantic at Western Kentucky, a JB special. JB, who you got? Okay, you're going to have to give me about 30 seconds here while I go and analyze this really quickly in my head. Florida Atlantic and Western Kentucky. So we got Ty Story, you know, who's the quarterback for Western Kentucky, as you might know, and that's a – Exciting win for me because, you know, he was a starting quarterback last year for, uh, what do you say, uh, for Arkansas. And, uh, you know, and uh, this could be a slight track game maybe because uh, the very uh, following week, Western Kentucky plays at Arkansas. So, you know what, I am going to go with uh, Lane Kiffing and Florida Atlantic in this one. Ooh, Holt smash. I feel like we get another difference right here. No, we don't. I was actually going to go with Florida Atlantic in this one either way. Um, I just feel like they're, you know, I don't really know. Whatever. <laughs> I, just, I just know Lane Kiffin's their coach, and that's really all I know. I don't know. It's, like, it's Lane Kiffin I'm not, versus I'm not, Tyson Helton. I'm not going to pretend to know, like, either one of these schools. Um, it's just the battle of former Tennessee coaches. There you go. <laughs> that's I like true. That. I like that. It's a nice spin on it. All right, so both with the FAU there. Even though it is at Western Kentucky, West Kentucky's only lost, I think, one game this year. Three games. Three games. No. Both teams Both teams are five and three. Really? Yes. I'll fact check you in a little bit. And Western Kentucky did beat – is Western Kentucky is responsible for UAB's only loss this season. Yeah, let's uh, – I'll get into that one while – The Western Kentucky plays at Arkansas next week, and I'm telling you, that's a game that I really am looking forward to. I just really want to see how Ty Story performs against Arkansas in his return to Fayetteville. Yes. And JB, you are correct. Five and three, but four and one in the conference. That's what I'm thinking of. Dang, they lost to Central Arkansas. That's a shitty loss. Even though it's FCS and they're um, not bad. But anyway, I, I digress nonetheless. Next game, Utah at Washington. Holt. Oh, we're going with the Utes in this one. I picked the Utah to win the uh, Pac 12 before the season started. Um, they're kind of took a step back after a tough loss to USC. So USC's kind of got the tiebreaker over them. But, um, I just love Utah's defensive line. I think they're going to go on the road and get a big win in this one. They're a three-point underdog, but I really like Utah. Um, I just – I love Kyle Whittingham. He's probably one of my favorite coaches in college football. Chris Pearson's right up there as well. Um, this is definitely going to be a really tough matchup. This game could go either way. But uh, I'm rolling with Utah because that was my pick for the season. Mr. J.B. Brooks. You know, this game is really fascinating to me because Washington might be 5-3. and three. But I really don't think they're as bad as their record indicates. I mean, they out of those three losses, only one of them was truly a bad one, you know. But they they really should have beaten Oregon. They had that game, you know, under control. They were, you know, pretty much in control most of the game. And, you know, they let Oregon 
slip up and beat them. I like Washington to finally get over the hump and get a big win. This is another one at home, too. And I'm going to go with Washington to uh, get this victory. Plus, they're coming off a bye, too. After, you know, two weeks ago, having that heartbreaker loss at home. I like Washington to upset Utah. That's the top one. And I understand what you're saying, JB, about Washington being better than their record. But it's like we keep saying that and they keep losing. So, like, I I don't want to keep being wrong about it because, you know, they were preseason number 13 and they lost to California, which is a bad loss. And then, you know, they beat USA. They lost to Stanford, which is a bad loss. So, it just keeps happening. I don't don't know what what point we're going to say, like, okay, they actually might be a bad team this year. Yeah, they lost to Stanford was – very disappointing. Stanford is not a good football team this year, and they went on the road and lost about 10 points. Yeah. So we'll see. But, hey, the pick's locked in now. We're all staying with it. So three games difference of picks right now. Next one is Mississippi State at Arkansas. JB. This one's really hard. <laughs> I really, really want to pick Arkansas, but I got to go with Mississippi State. I just think that uh, Mississippi State is just less bad than Arkansas. At this point, I mean, I think both teams right now are two of the three worst teams in the conference right now, the way both teams are playing. I mean, Mississippi State, at one point, to me, it was mid-pack in the conference, but they've really regressed in the last month, month and a half. Arkansas, they're looking for a signature victory. I think this game's going to come down to the final minutes, but I think Mississippi State wins in an ugly close one. Whole smash. Well, I will say one thing in rebuttal way he said. I don't think there is a mid-pack in the SEC. I think there's like four or five good teams and then a whole lot of ass. I, there's, there's definitely a bottom tier that's like way like, I mean, I feel like maybe Arkansas and Vanderbilt and maybe even Mississippi State and Kentucky have kind of like been shittier than everybody else. And I mean, you know, and then Tennessee still has the worst loss out of everyone. But, like, well, actually, no, it's not true. I think Vanderbilt has the worst loss out of everyone. I would say Vanderbilt and Arkansas got the worst losses this year. But uh, that being said, I mean, the, I mean, I think the seventh best team in the SEC could easily lose to the 12th, 13th, or 14th worst team in the SEC. Like, I mean, that's just really where it is right now. Um, you know, I, I just – I don't even think that there really is much of a middle pack in the SEC. I think there's some good teams and there's just some really shitty teams. That's pretty much it. But – that being said, I'm going to go with Mississippi State in this one. Um, I don't really feel confident in it at all. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Arkansas won this game. Um, I'm just going with Mississippi State because Arkansas just has yet to show me anything. I mean, at least Mississippi State has, like, that one game against Kentucky at home where it looked like it was all clicking. Um, but other than that, I mean, they've looked like crap. Arkansas has just looked bad all year. I mean, Arkansas hasn't shown me anything that made me think that they're a good football team. And they may show something this weekend, but I just – I mean, you can't bet on either one of these teams, but I got—I have to pick one, so I'm going with State. New rule is you can't say this is a really tough one or this is really hard pick, game to pick. Or so, what? Or, or I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> do a whole bunch of nothing, okay? <laughs> um, next game. My, wow, this one's really hard. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I can't wait till you say that. <laughs> You're like, both of you are going to come out and say, man, this is a tough one. I don't know if we had a harder one than this one. <laughs> Miami at Florida State, JV. I got to go with the Seminoles here. I mean, both of these teams have been not so great. But I think Florida State has, you know, improved slightly from the beginning of the year. I think they've gotten a little bit better. I'm, I wouldn't say Tigers completely off the seat, but they looked, they looked a little better the last few weeks. I'm going to go Florida State at home. Whole smash. Yeah, I mean, this. 
both these teams suck. I mean, yeah. really, like, I have to go for State just because of the home team. Like, really, that's the only reason. Um, you know, they got a good win over Syracuse, I guess, last week. Miami went on the road and got a good win over Pitt. So, both teams, I guess, are maybe feeling a little bit better about themselves. But, I mean, man, Miami lost to Georgia Tech. Yeah. I mean, and they lost to Virginia Tech. But then they have wins over Virginia and Pitt. So, it's just like – and then they play Florida really close, too. So, I mean, I just – you know, I just can't figure out either one of these teams. I have no idea what's going on. Um, I just – I got to go for a stage because they're at home. That's really the only reason. Yeah, this one – it was the most – what's most sad about this game is that there's so much potential for this game to be great, but both teams suck so much right now that, you know, this should be like a top-10 matchup with Miami and Florida State, but it's just not there. But also, I, I believe in the theory that Florida State, Florida, Miami all can't be good at the same time, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, next game, this is a fun one, I think. Kansas State at Kansas. Holt. I think the Mad Hatter gets the upset in this one at home. Kansas State's coming off a huge win. All they've been hearing about is how awesome they are. Okay, Kansas State – or, I'm sorry, Kansas, on the other hand, they played pretty well this year. Um, they have a big win over Boston College. They beat Texas Tech last week. They almost beat uh, Texas um, a few weeks ago. So, you know, I may be going on a limb right here. I think I'm looking at the FPI right now. It only gives Kansas a 20% chance to win this game. But I just think Kansas State is maybe feeling themselves a little bit too much right now. And uh, I think they're going to get upset on the road by their rival in state. I like the logic, Holt. JB, who you got? Yeah, I'm actually got the same thoughts as Holt. <laughs> I really wanted to pick uh, – I mean, I, I wanted to pick Kansas too. And sadly, Holt had the same thoughts as me. We're both going with the Jayhawks here in the upset. We both love the Mad Hatter. Florida, Georgia, best game of the week probably. JB, who you got? This game is going to be close and going into the fourth quarter. And Dan Mullen's going to outcoach Kirby Smart in the fourth quarter. Gators are going to win this game. Florida. Whole smash. Yeah, I really liked uh, that that pick. Um, but I'm going to go with Georgia in this one. Um, not to be different. Um, I just – like, I just – I think Georgia is way more talented than Florida. I know that Kirby that Kirby Smart has maybe struggled a little bit in big games, but let's not act like Dan Mullen is some great big game coach, okay? Like, look, Dan Mullen coached my favorite team for, like, nine years, and I can literally count on one hand the amount of big games he won. He always folds in big games. He, he never knows how to move the ball against Kirby Smart's defense. Kirby Smart has owned Dan Mullen's offense. I mean, granted, he's always had more talent. The talent gap is maybe a little bit less, you know, wide than it was when Kirby Smart was at Alabama and Dan Mullen was at Mississippi State. But I just think that um, he's got the offense figured out. I don't think Kyle Trask scares anyone on Georgia's defense. I don't know how they're going to move the ball. Jake Fromm's the best player on the field. I mean, look, like so many smart people are picking Florida to win this game this week that it really makes me question it. And I don't know if you guys remember this. You probably don't, but – uh, we did a preview for Georgia and Florida before the season started, and I actually picked Florida to win this game before the season. Y'all thought I was crazy. Pretty sure Alex thought I was joking. Like he, he legit like wouldn't even like I said that Florida was going to win the game. He was like, "Yeah, whatever, hold shut up." Like, and then just like kept on talking about whatever he's talking about, and like just didn't even like acknowledge that I said it. But that being said, I do. My mind has changed. I do like Georgia in this one just because I don't. The main reason is I don't think Florida's offense is going to be able to move the ball in Georgia. Period. And I think Georgia is going to open up the offense a little bit. They're going to hit some big plays down the field. 
which you got to do to beat Todd Grantham. And I think once they hit a couple big plays early in this game, they're really going to get the running game going. And I like Georgia to win this game, not comfortably, but I would say I like them to win and cover the six-and-a-half-point spread, uh, maybe by about 10 points. I like 23-13 Georgia to get the win. Holt is a change man with a change of opinion. Um, I do – the only thing I would say about this game is Georgia, I feel like, is more ready for this game, or they've circled this game more than Florida because Florida has been talking trash the entire offseason all the way into the year. And I think Georgia is going to come out really, really focused and ready to win this game. Uh, so that's the only thing I can say. Last but not least, probably the the I would say even better than the Florida Georgia game obviously is the SMU Memphis game day game. Um, I'm excited about this one. I don't think y'all are as excited, but we're still going to pick it regardless. JB, who you got? Gotta go with Memphis Tigers here at home. I think that SMU has had some you know some breaks this year. You know to get undefeated. I think they've run out of breaks going to this one. I like Memphis to uh, get their. Signature victory at home and uh, put themselves as a potential front runner to make it to the New Year Six. Memphis should have lost last week with that Tulsa kick, but uh, they should have. And SMU should have lost to Tulsa too. They had to win three overtimes against Tulsa. Yeah, it's funny how stuff works out because they wouldn't be they would do game day in Florida, Georgia, if uh, Tulsa had that kick. That's another story. Holt, who you got? Yeah, I got to go with Memphis as well. I mean, hosting game day. Um, I think they kind of sleptwalked a little bit last week. I don't really hold that against them too much. I think they're looking forward to this game. Um, this is the biggest game possibly in Memphis history. Um, the spotlight's on them. They're, you know, ABC primetime, college game days there, everything. Um, I just think this is their moment. They're going to have a, a, a very raucous atmosphere um, at the Liberty Bowl. Um, everybody's going to be all filled up on uh, Ghost River and uh, Central Barbecue. And it's going to be a rowdy house, and I think um, Memphis is going to get the big win over SMU and Sunny Dykes. I like that pick. Um, all right, so we got nine games picked. Four games are differences. Oregon, USC, Virginia, North Carolina, Utah, Washington, and Florida, Georgia. So, big – Separation Saturday. Separation Saturday. Yeah. Big or maybe we'll go two and two, and it'll be the exact same. <laughs> that could be that, – that is <laughs> – I would actually say that is more likely that this is probably going to be a two-two split at the very, at, or at the worst, it'll be three-one either way. But I think I, I would definitely say it's probably going to be a two-two split, and I'll probably still have a one-game lead after this weekend. I definitely feel the worst about Virginia, North Carolina. Like I was sort of upset when he asked me that one first because I really had no clue what I was going to say, and I knew that like you're probably going to pick the other one. And I was going to feel yeah about for it. you, Virginia, North Carolina is definitely tough. The second toughest one for me. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to say Georgia, Florida. It's really Utah, Washington. I mean, Utah's playing really well. I mean, those three are the toughest ones for me. But I, the the most confident I am about for those four differences is Oregon over USC. Yeah, that's what's funny is like I actually feel really good about that one too. <laughs> I feel really good that USC is going to pull that set in that one. Mm-hmm. Funny, funny, funny. I felt good about Michigan over Notre Dame last week, and then Michigan did that, so maybe that'll be Holt's, you know, upset victory too. Maybe. Too bad we don't have an Iowa game to pick this week. I wish we did. You always find the Iowa game for JB to pick. <laughs> Iowa bus <by> eighty. <laughs> Iowa could be playing like I don't know Alabama. I feel like JB would probably pick Iowa. <laughs> the Hawkeyes are really good. They're underrated. <laughs> don't go sleep on the Hawkeyes. Team in the country. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go for those Hawkeyes. 
All right. I think that wraps up the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We look forward to recapping this week on Sunday. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on podcast at SEC Slow Smokes. See you. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.